Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of Locked On Canadians before the NHL trade deadline. We have your recap from the Canadians' win over the Senators, some mailbag questions that we weren't able to get to last Friday, and, of course, three up and three down. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 576 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla, and I am joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And in case you missed it, we were both on Game Over Montreal on Saturday night, where it was right after the Canadians had beat the Ottawa Senators 5-1. Laura, it is once again Victory Monday here at Lockdown Canadians. It is the trade deadline happening sometime after people have listened to this. But how are we feeling uh, going into this week? Getting used to those uh, Victory Mondays, I have to say. And <laughs> as we speak, we are recording, full disclosure, we're recording it around just before 8 o'clock on Sunday night. So a lot of things haven't happened yet for the trade deadline, but obviously we will have coverage after the trade deadline as well if anything happens between now and then. I am sitting here nervous that Arturi Lekkinen is going to get traded because his name keeps coming up. I, I And we will touch on the trade deadline and so many other things as the as we get to the end of the show and three up and three down, just as a uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert. But right now... I want to talk about beating the Ottawa Senators because it's something the Canadians sometimes struggle with. And this year, um, maybe not, not so, so much. much. No, it's, not so much. It, it's great. And uh, Andrew mentioned it on Game Over in that Jake Allen was laser focused in net in that game. The Canadians didn't play perfect by any means. They didn't have great possession numbers, but they got out to a pretty hefty lead and just kind of sat back. But Jake Allen played, I, I don't want to say angry because he's not an angry type of player in that. He's not Mike Smith. He's not Jordan Bennington. But you saw him make saves, and he did things with authority and confidence. And all due respect to Samuel Montembeau, it was very uh, stress-reducing to watch that happen in there. And Jake Allen being back is a huge boon for the Canadians, to be quite honest. It's He's not going to derail the tank by any means, but he's also going to give them a stable enough presence at the back that I'm not worried about a turnover automatically becoming a goal against now. And teams can play, and the team can play with a little bit more confidence in themselves. And like I said, this is not a slight at Samuel Montembeau, who has performed about as well as could be expected. But Jake Allen is probably the reason why that game looks as lopsided as it is he had a lot of good he did a lot of good work in that and honestly uh, I'm really happy to see that and once again small goals boy does the small goals boy thing and once again I have to bring up the point and I do not like dunking on a man while he is fired and sitting at home Dominique Ducharme is a hockey criminal who ruined Cole Caulfield's Calder campaign so 
That's that's what I'm going to say about that. I, I do enjoy a nice bounce back win for the Canadians over a team that always gives them trouble in one way, shape or form. I think the score effects is really funny that you said that because it's been so long that the Canadians have had a commanding lead and score effects could even come into play in a game, right? That was something that was really encouraging. The other thing that I wanted to say about Jake Allen is, you know, Samuel Montembeau has rough starts sometimes. I think there's got to be something about the way that he plays his game where he can't settle in early. If you look at the, the goals that he's allowed in, it's an early thing. And that's something that's it can be tweaked, it can be adjusted, it can be improved as Samuel Montalbo moves on through his goaltending career. And again, we're not crapping on him. He did everything that was asked of him and he did it to the best of his ability. But Jake Allen is not only more confident and much calmer in net, he has a commanding presence. He, you know, you, you said it's not an angry play. No, it's not. But he behaves like he's the one in charge. And that Often it comes, it, it gives the Canadians an advantage, but also the opponent is affected by it as well. So for me, Jake Allen being back, it's so refreshing to see. I'm so happy to see it. But at the same time, I also want to praise the other players on the ice because they did what they needed to do against a team that, like you said, gives them fits. But in my opinion, the Canadians, you know, you, you look at the standings. I think the Canadians are a more complete team than the Ottawa, Ottawa Senators just because the Senators have won more games. Like the Canadians, you have to think about that first half of the season where they only won eight games. So I do think that, you know, it's kind of the standings themselves are a moot point when you compare these two teams because I do see the Habs, if you look at them, even with the injuries they have, they feel to me a more complete team than the Senators. If you look up and down the lineup, the Senators, they have a couple of stars. That's true. I'm not going to discount that. But I think, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at the Canadians and, and every time I see the Canadians play the Ottawa Senators, to me, the Canadians should win that game. And finally this year, they are winning those games. And you know what made the difference in this game is that you talk about how the Canadians are a more complete team. Look at the goal scores in this game. Cole Caulfield, Yol Armia, Paul Byron, Jake Evans, and I'm missing one in here, and I don't Brett know why. Brett Kulak! Brett Kulak! He yes, thank, I, well, the, I keep <laughs> blanking on that because Brett Kulak dangled through the entire defense and scored a goal, but the Canadians' stars did not win them that game. Yes, Cole Caulfield had a goal, but you have a goal from fourth liner, fourth liner, fourth liner, middle pairing defenseman, bottom pairing defenseman, depending on the game, and small goals boy. That's that's what the Canadians did in the playoffs last year. Yeah, Caulfield and Suzuki were great, but their depth scored as well when you had Corey Perry and Eric Stahl and some of those other guys there. And that depth is going to hopefully be here in the second half of the season with uh, Matthew Perot and Ryan Paling hopefully coming back from injury and whoever they might call up from the Rocket, depending on that. That's going to help them because it's going to allow them to make choices in this uh, offseason here. Is is this someone we're going to want to bring back? Do they want to be here? Do they have value to this team? And it feels weird to say this, that if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon were in charge of the team, I'm pretty sure Corey Perry would still be on it this season because of the value he brought to the team. But that's that's water under a bridge. That's they, We've long since passed that point. But... I, I really do like watching this Canadians team when things are clicking. And we talked a lot with Andrew. I highly recommend you check out that episode uh, just because we touched on so much across the board that we can't all fit into this show, unfortunately. So um, parting thoughts, wins are fun. The Canadians have to play the Bruins after the trade deadline for some godforsaken reason. 
One of the few things I agree with Alan Walsh on, you should not be playing games the day of the trade deadline. It's not fair to teams. It's not fair to players. It's, it's, it's real, real tough. So, uh, Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we get into the remaining mailbag questions? No, I'm, 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 I mean, I wanted to check out our game over episode because I felt that it really clicked really well. I, th- I thought the three of us like had a great dynamic that show. And I think we talked about the, the Habs in general, but also how they beat the Sens. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. It, I, I really enjoyed it. Yes, it was a really good time. Please check out the game over. And like I said, we are going to be touching on the few mailbag questions that we were not able to get to in uh, Friday's episode. And that's coming up next. But first, uh, one of our new partners is a product that I've learned to use every day since I've started uh, trying it out, and that's Athletic Greens. They are, they are ideal. If you're like me that you don't always have the right start in the morning, they are full of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, everything that help you get started in the morning. And it's really important to have a multivitamin in the morning and one with a high quality ingredient that your body will actually absorb. Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits and it's the one thing you can do every day to take great care of yourself and any subscription you get from them comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in these late winter months when we don't get nearly as much sunlight outside, especially here in Buffalo and sometimes in Montreal. So folks, right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as flu and cold season continues to run rampant. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. You don't need a million pills or supplements or anything like that. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we are back. And also, please make sure you're checking out Lockdown Now, where at the end of the night, you get all the breaking news and recaps and any kind of reaction you want from all of our local experts. You can find them on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And so... Usually we get to everything on a Friday for a big episode. Unfortunately, it was a very busy end of the week for the Montreal Canadiens. We were not able to get to all of your questions, and we are sorry. We do love you all very dearly. And if you want to send us questions, at LO underscore Canadians or LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. And I want to make a programming note. Uh, Randy Hansen, you sent a question about undrafted free agents. We are having an NCAA prospect uh, expert on at some point this week. We are going to ask him about that. Also, Jack McBain and other things. But before we get into the questions, Laura, you had a scouting report on one of the newest Canadians, Ty Smolanik. Is that correct? That's correct. So I got this from lastwordonsports.com, and they did a prospect ranking for every team. And this is obviously from their Florida Panthers uh, prospect review that they did in the offseason. And uh, at the time, they had ranked Smolanic as the eighth. So I'm, g- I'm just going to read real quick the outlook portion of that scouting report. And if you want to check it out, you can go to lastwordonsports.com. Uh, and it is Ty Smolanik will return to Quinnipiac for his sophomore season. If he can turn the offensive tools into more production, it is easy to see a future top six forward with plenty of energy and the responsible two-way game that coaches will love. He's a pretty safe prospect, though, as even if the offense never explodes, he should be able to play a third or fourth line role going forward. The college route is a smart move for Smolanik, who needs to put muscle on his lanky frame. And there's an update um, 
Um, and uh, he's sort of rounding more into a winger than a center at this point. But that doesn't mean it's the, you know, it, 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 like he does project more to be a winger than a center. And, and we can ask our, so our prospect expert is going to be Russ Cohen, who is sportsology on Twitter. He's from uh, Locked On Flyers as well. He's one half of Locked On Flyers. He's somebody that we love a lot. He's always generous with his time. And it'll probably be our third. Thursday episode. We are recording with him on Tuesday. So if you have any questions about NCAA Habs prospects or if anything happens via trade tomorrow, uh, you can send us uh, questions for Russ by, uh, let's say, about Tuesday afternoon. And uh, speaking of the NCAA prospects, the Frozen Four is all hammered out. The brackets are up. Jordan Harris will not be signing right now. His team is playing right now. Uh, going across the brackets here, Quinnipiac will play St. Cloud State in the first round. Uh, Brett Stapley and Denver will play UMass Lowell. Uh, Blake Biondi and Minnesota Duluth will play Michigan Tech. Uh, no one in North Dakota, Notre Dame. Uh, but Sean Farrell has a tough one with as Harvard takes on Minnesota State. Uh, Western Michigan plays Jordan Harrison, Jaden Struble in the first round. And then uh, Rhett Pitlick at Minnesota will play Massachusetts in round one there. So, we will do our best to keep you all updated on that. But to dive back into the questions, uh, we have a YouTube comment from uh, Victor Maxwell who says, uh, good day. What will Weber and Hoffman and Petrie's contract be traded for? First, second, et cetera. And my first thought is, I don't know right now, but I know by the time the summer rolls around and there was teams cap situations and the playoff eliminations have happened, that there will be a very good chance that the Canadians are going to have reloaded on a lot of things. We've heard a lot about uh, teams being interested in Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie has suitors, but based on the way this deadline is shaping up right now, unless someone makes a real slam dunk offer, uh, 26 is going to be suiting up on the blue line for at least the end of this season right now. Uh, I would like to trade Mike Hoffman at this deadline, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Laura, what are you thinking? I mean, we've talked Dallas, we've talked Detroit. Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of takers out there uh, based on the way that this trade deadline has exploded in terms of just cost and everything else for players. I think for Petrie, it's definitely going to be something that I, I'm predicting a playoff team will take him. And let me tell you why. There's definitely going to be one of the 16 teams that makes the playoffs is going to have a, like some sort of struggle because they're good offensively, but not good defensively. There's going to be a hole in the lineup that's revealed. So I think they're going to start looking for a player like Petrie. And on the flip side, there's going to be a team that doesn't make it very far because their secondary scoring or their depth scoring wasn't enough. And they're going to go after Hoffman. I do think though that uh, because of the lack of players on on the Canadians' defense right now, there's just a simple lack of bodies, right? And people who are ready to be NHL bodies. I think that the Canadians will look to either clear up space to sign a good defender, or they're going to ask for defensemen in return for both of those players. I don't know if that's necessarily the way that they go. It could just be they look at what's available, they don't like the sound of it, so they ask for plenty of picks and prospects, but I do think that they want to bring in a defenseman. As for the Weber contract, I think that's a really attractive uh, proposition for teams that like money laundering for something. So if somebody wants something from the Canadians, um, they'll be like, all right, we'll take the Weber cap hit and... And give us this so that you will have, you won't have to worry about this anymore. Because the thing that people forget about a, a LTIR cap space is that on the first day of the season or just before the season, you have to be under the cap. You have to be cap compliant. So you have to get Shea Weber under the cap 
and then you can put him on LTIR. And it's the same thing that's going to happen with Carey Price if he's not ready to come back, although it looks like he's ready to come back this season. Um, it's definitely going to be a really interesting thing. But what do I think they get for them? I do think that there will definitely be at least one defender coming back in some of these trades, in one of these trades. When you say money laundering franchise, you can just say the Arizona Coyotes. We all know exactly who you're talking about. It's fine. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, the Sharks have have made it clear that they'll they'll launder money for you. It's, it's it's just that they don't have cap space now because they have all those crazy contracts, including the the, the Thomas Hurdle one. Anyways, if you want someone to launder your money, uh, apparently you go to the Western Conference to get it done. <laughs> so, um, this question comes from Randy Hansen. Should most should the Molson Group buy an NBA team to play in the Bell Center? And I, I think this is probably based off of the Raptors being the way that they have been since uh, they acquired Kawhi Leonard a couple of years ago, and obviously they won the title there. I'd be very interested because I know the Bell Center as it is, is one of the busiest arenas in the world to begin with. And adding a basketball team to that feels like it almost feels like you're overkilling the arena there. You're going to burn out the staff who's got to change it between basketball and hockey and like professional wrestling and boxing and stage shows and Disney on ice and et cetera. I think the Harlem Grove Trotters. <laughs> yeah, like I think it would be fun, and unless they're going to put them at Place Bell, which I, I would get it, but it's not really in Montreal. If you're going to put an NBA team anywhere, you got to put them downtown because that's where you're going to get the most traffic. I don't know a lot about how the suburbs of Montreal work, but I don't think Laval is exactly a hop, skip, and a jump. You can walk to it if you're downtown if you want it. So. You don't want to take it out of your downtown core because that's where you're going to find the most success with that. It'd be interesting if they could find a way to balance it, but I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit too much of an overkill for the staff at the Bell Center right now. I personally think that in Montreal, the market for an NBA team isn't here yet. It's one of those things where I personally feel you have to invest. You have to have really good marketing. You have to invest. Um, and there's no real incentive for the Molson Group to do that right now, just because, like you said, they have so many events at the Bell Center. It's one of the busiest arenas. I have heard of so many events going on at the Bell Center for so many things that I was like, I, I can't even believe it. You know, singers, for, like international singers will, will come and, and open at the Bell Center. And it's, it's kind of crazy to me just how busy it is. So I don't think they need it. I think they did take a hit in the pandemic, but I don't think they necessarily need an NBA team. But I do think it's intriguing. I would like to see an investment in baseball and basketball in this market. I would love to see two of those teams. Like I, I want to see more major league teams here and uh, it worked with soccer. So you, you got, you got to, you got to start doing it for, for both of those. And I would love to see, it doesn't have to be the Molson group. I just love to see it. I just, I don't see it happening to answer the question. And before anyone asks, uh, we will not discuss the big O in the return of the Expos because we do not have a long enough podcast for Laura and I to actually go through all of the reasons why the big O is a screaming death trap right now. Um, one last question for Paul Brancho. Deep, or wow, I am on one today, folks. Best format of deep fried potato. Get your mind out of the cheese curds and gravy. I'm talking straight up fried spud. Paul says he is irrationally drawn to tater tots. I like waffle fries. I do like a, a nice tater tot. I love waffle fries, though. I don't know why. I just, I adore them. I 
I love crinkle cut fries. I think they're the, the most versatile of fries in that you can use them to make a poutine. You can use them as a nice side. Um, if you're from Pittsburgh, you can put them on your sandwich, I guess. Um, or salad. Or salad, which just, I think, defeats the purpose of a salad. I don't know. But I also love steak fries. I do love a nice uh, thick cut steak fry with a burger. Um, now I want fries. I've already had curry for dinner, but I want fries. Um, as always, folks, if you want to send us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. We will have all your questions Friday again. But coming up next, it's three up and three down. Uh, but first, as we said, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, And as you know, March Madness is fully upon us right now. And if you want the latest odds, contests, and player props, Bet Online is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news during this season. And it's not just basketball. They've got hockey. They've got football. They've got everything you need, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you are a fan of this show, you know how much we love Built Bar. And if you love Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is coated in chocolate. You got to try Built Bar Puffs. They are protein-infused marshmallows, folks. They are incredible. You can pop one in your mouth in the morning on your way to work or after your workout and get everything you need. There's low sugar, low carbs, high protein, low calories, everything that you're going to want. And there's flavors for everybody, mint brownie, coconut, uh, coconut almond. There's a new flavor, white chocolate cookies and cream. There is something for everybody when you go check out Built.com. And when you get there, that is built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. So please go find whatever you could possibly be looking for in your protein bar. Built has new flavors coming out all the time. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off built.com. All right, so it is Monday, and that means it's time for one of our favorite segments. It is time for three up and three down, and we're going to do the downs first just because uh, I'm going to lead off on this one because I had an idea for a segment, and it actually parlays into this perfectly. My down is going to be the NHL trade deadline, uh, and not because it hasn't been really exciting for the last week. It's that someone who, like myself, who usually takes the trade deadline off to cover things. I couldn't this year because – I have vacation plan for the end of the week and work in capitalism demand that I be there. I can't help but feel bad for poor James Duthie, who has watched Claude Giroux, Ben Sherratt, Mark Giordano, Hampus Lindholm, all these other names get traded over the week and weekend, leaving him nothing. If they're going to have Gino Retta chasing llamas in the parking lot again on TSN, uh, and I can't help but think, is the trade deadline going to be boring? Like, are we going to get excited when, like, Cedric Paquette gets traded for a fifth-round pick and that's all the news we have for, like, four and a half hours? Like, I I, I am actually kind of glad I am at work. I get NHL Network on the TVs in the beer shop so I can watch. But if I had to get up at early on a day off and sit in front of a TV and watch nothing happen – I feel like I might lose my mind again. And my one down is uh, not because the trade deadline hasn't been exciting, but I can't help but feel that the trade deadline shows this year are, are just not going to be great. I have a related down and that is the Ottawa senators who, for whatever reason, seem determined to help other teams and 
make bad deals and all of a sudden I am just really, really annoyed. I, I do believe, I'm not sure if this this actually went through because we were discussing it before we started recording. They traded Nick Paul to Tampa, right? Yeah, like in and the they, middle yeah. of the show. I, I'm checking Twitter. All due respect, I am listening to Laura, but I'm checking Twitter to make sure that nothing else stupid has happened while we've been recording because that always happens. And then they helped clear cap space so that the Toronto Maple Leafs could... Uh, could get uh, Mark Giordano, who was uh, a, a still an extremely competent defenseman, and now I'm really annoyed. Uh, they also put Peter Mrazek on waivers and uh, signed somebody who has to clear waivers, and I hope that somebody claims them off of waivers because I think it'll be hilarious if the Toronto Maple Leafs still have no goaltending now that they've solved one of their defensive woes. I really don't want to see them get past the first round. At this point, it's not even about me. It's about history. I just I, I want them to, to not. Um, and so that, like, the Ottawa Senators are my down right now. It's also, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? You're still in a rebuild, even though you claim you're not. Like, this this unparalleled success. Like, Travis Hamannick is not going to move the needle. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's Unparalleled just, success just... for the Ottawa Senators is Eugene Melnick not getting sued in the last six months. Like, that's unparalleled success for the Ottawa Senators organization right now. And I know there are very good Sens fans out there. I know that for a fact. But your organization is run by Ronald friggin' McDonald at this point. Like it's, it's it's really and it's frustrating me because it's helping other teams and teams in our division and 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 another down is honestly we talked about it on game over last night. I didn't realize that the Tampa Bay Lightning had had uh, lost the scout that found them all those diamonds in the rough of the QMJHL with all those late round picks. So they are now losing picks like crazy because they're going for a three peat. And what are you doing? Like this is going to be your last Stanley cup for like another 20 years at this point. So I don't, I don't know what's going on over there. I'm not going to try and pretend I understand it. Uh, and so those are my, my downs. Are we ready for ups or do you have any more downs? Uh, no, I will go along with that. My ups. Uh, I'm going to start with one that we also, I know that we're referencing game over a lot, but it was a really fun show where we had a lot, we had a lot to talk about, but Kent Hughes is going on my up list this week because he talked in a way after the Ben Sherratt trade about, uh, Brett Kulak and even Ben Sherratt and all these guys, he talks about them like they're people. And I realize that's an exceedingly low bar for an NHL GM, but it makes a difference when you realize these are human beings. These are not just business pieces for you. They are part of what you do as a GM, but at the same time, they're human beings, you know, and he talked up Brett Kulak. He's talked up Arturi Lekin. He's talked up everyone on the team at one point or another when asked about them. I can't help but like find myself uh, fixated when Kent Hughes talks. Whereas with Mark Bergevin, I know it's going to be cliches. I know it's going to be non-answers and other things because that's how he was. Ken Hughes tells it like it is and he's very honest. He's like, I, will, I might trade this person if you offer me the right deal. But I, here's why I also will keep them. And I think that's just very, very endearing uh, as a general manager. He was a player agent. He knows the human side of the game. And I think that's really, really important. And I think you look at Tyler Toffoli leaving and Ben Sherratt leaving and how they both had conferences with the Montreal media. And they said very positive things about the way the whole process happened. And if you're leaving a team that you're happy to be on and you feel good about it, I think that speaks the like the the world of the general manager and, and how he handled things. I think that's great. One of my ups is going to be uh, Yoel Armia. We also talked about that on Game Over, but I do think it needs to be said that he has shown a vast improvement in the last few games. 
I, I, I do think that as well, which makes me think that, hey, he knows teams are sniffing around and players, even if they're not playing at their best, uh, they get a little bit of that kick in the pants. And in that same uh, viewpoint, though we've talked about him and really liked him a lot all year long, is I thought Brett Kulak has been outstanding. Uh, and that goal against Ottawa was just cherry on the cake. Even if he gets traded on Monday, uh, Brett Kulak's been one of my favorite guys because he was in he was a throw-in in a trade for Renat Valiev and I believe Kirby Reichel. Uh, started with the Rocket and then just got called up to Montreal and never went back. And it's he's been one of the most unheralded players on the team, I think, in his tenure here. And losing him, I think it's going to suck because he's a very useful piece all the way around. Um, my final up, this isn't going to surprise a single person in the world. It's, it's going to continue to be Cole Caulfield until he gives me a reason to not make it be Cole Caulfield. Uh, 13th goal of the season, beautiful goal. And he should have gotten an assist on Brett Kulak's goal. The NHL still hasn't credited it to him for whatever reason. But, man, I look at Cole Caulfield right now and I just go, he might be the hottest player in the NHL right now. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Yeah, there's Austin Matthews and et cetera, et cetera. But Cole Caulfield doesn't get suspended and then come back and immediately lose. So um, I, I have Cole Caulfield on my up list until, like Dominique Ducharme earlier this year, until they give me a reason to move them off of it. I agree with you on everything you just said. You hear that, folks? Everyone agrees with me. We are the smartest podcast in the world. Um, and if you want to smart, smell, Jesus, I haven't had enough caffeine today after work. Um, if you want to follow the smartest podcast in the world, or at least the smartest <laughs> Canadians podcast in the world, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. You can follow us on YouTube, where if you ever talk trash about my co-host, I will personally come fight you in the streets. That's just how the rules work. Please be kind, folks. We do this. It is a lot of work. Please be kind. We That's all we ask. And when you're done checking us out, please check out the Lockdown NHL Trade Deadline Show on Monday, immediately after the deadline. We're going to get all the instant reaction, everything you need. Folks, we will see you on the other side, and the Canadians might look a lot different after you hear this episode. Have a great day.